good to see you today and good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, some of you probably have a hair dryer at home. Those are pretty common. Some of you don't need one, so hey, good for you as well. Uh, but I've seen these life hack videos. You ever seen? I waste so much time. <laughs> And you see those things on Facebook and everything else of life hacks, how to make your life easier, how to use stuff for stuff you didn't even know that's what it was used for. And it's amazing what you can use a hairdryer for. Of course, it's used as a beauty product and be able to style your hair. Uh, but did you know that you can use it also in baking? Uh, after you take a cake and bake it and you glaze it with that frosting, the stuff on top, it, you can take a hairdryer and you can put off kind of a, of a shine on it if you use a hairdryer. Kind of weird, but you can for those who need that. I've used them before to be able to inflate an air mattress because I forgot the pump, okay? Maybe you're like me. But it's amazing to me that I can see things like that and they're great, but you gotta have a power source to plug them in. I replaced a sump pump in my house because I became a house owner. And I noticed at the water table of where we lived that there was quite a bit of water and I had this thing called a basement. I wanted to keep it nice, wanted to keep it clean, didn't want to keep a whole bunch of extra animals or things that I can't see to breathe in. I didn't want those around. And so I put a new sump pump in. It was great, but I didn't plug it in. The rain came and guess what? Didn't do a whole lot of good. The truth is some things are meant to be just plugged in. They need a power source to be able to do exactly what they do but they're useless without it. Can I get an oh yeah? And you've probably been there before and been somewhere where the batteries run out and it does you absolutely no good. Now, you and I are way more complex than a hairdryer. You and I are way more complex than a sump pump or anything else. But you and I need to understand that there is a greater power source that God has designed for you and I to connect into, and that is him. Because I believe he's the life source of everything. And we're going to talk about that source today because I believe it's what makes real life work for us. Understand this, I think unless we are connected to this power source, I think we'll we'll eventually drift away and begin to do things that we weren't intended to do in the first place. We've been going through this journey series of Exodus together, and we're studying the life of Moses and the people of God. And in this, at this point, Moses realizes what God is asking him to do is so much bigger than him that he needs to plug into something for him, for this job that God needs to accomplish, forever that ever to be accomplished. He can't accomplish that on his own. He's got to plug into a source. And so what we see is Moses actually sees that that needs to happen, but yet Moses over and over again tells God no. You ever told God no before? Someone's thinking, well, no, I would never tell the creator of the universe, the God of everything. I would never tell him no. I mean, how could I do that? But it's amazing because I think often we do that. And I think we have Moses as an example who does that as well. Maybe you are telling God no. Maybe you're telling God today, well, maybe later. Maybe some other time. Come visit me next year. Things aren't right right now. But I think we have all told God maybe no in some way, shape, or form. And Moses did the same thing, but Moses had a breakthrough, and I hope that you and I will as well. Because understand this, we see what Moses, once he had a breakthrough and went alongside of what God desired for him, he became one of the greatest heroes in all the faith that we see. And he has this moment here when this breakthrough happens, as we studied last week, as Moses is there with the burning bush. Remember this? 
And he's there having a face-to-face conversation. Now, I think Jesus shows up, even though we're looking at the Old Testament and Jesus isn't on the scene in that form of what we see of him on the cross and what he came with salvation. But I think we see Jesus, even in the Old Testament, as he comes in the life of Abraham and as he comes in the life of Moses. And in the burning bush, I think we see Jesus as well as Jesus has a conversation face-to-face with this man on fire, this Jesus. And the conversation ensues. And the first thing that you remember happens as Jesus kind of tells Moses, here's what I want you to do, Moses. First thing I want you to do is I want you to take off your shoes. This place where we are, this is holy ground. And last week, we had a conversation that happened between those two as Moses said, who I am. And Jesus kind of just ignores that. And he says, who are you? And it's interesting that conversation that happens there and they work all that out. And God says, well, I am who I am. And I think in that experience, they kind of go through that all. And Moses would be like, okay, I'm in. You would think after seeing and experience this burning bush that doesn't get consumed, not only that, talking to it, you'd be like, okay, I'm in. I got it. I'm going on with you. I'm with you. If this is the power that you have, absolutely, I'm in with you. But Moses still has a problem. And the issue that Moses brings up is an issue I think that you and I still might even wrestle with deeply today. It's an issue that we can't keep from wanting to bring up to God. And often I think we bring those up because we are unplugged. So I want you to read with me as we start out this chapter four together. Exodus chapter four, verse one, won't you read it with me? But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What does it say the Lord never appeared to you? And this is when God gets the excuse. You ever give God an excuse? And I think it's interesting what he brings up. And I think you've done this too. But Lord, what will they think? You you want me to do this, but Lord, what will people think if I do this? This is unnatural. This is not something I usually do. This is outside of my character. And God says, this is what I want you to do. And we think, well, what, what will people think? Can you believe that considering all this and what Moses has seen, he was still telling God no, because he wanted to be more concerned about people than he was with God. He was more worried about what other people thought. You ever heard of that before? It's a good thing we don't have problems with that anymore, do we? We have evolved so much in 3,000 years. But I've seen this happen before. Moses almost says no to God and getting plugged into God and doing what God has asked and becoming the man that God intended him to be because he wanted to stay more unplugged with people. He asked, what will they say? And I've seen so many people in the Christian faith who won't take their next step with Jesus in their relationship because of what others might say. Now, I understand we live in a culture that intensifies that a lot because we have this thing called social media and everybody has their opinions and people want to throw those out there. And there's some very intense individuals. There's some very mean individuals. There's some very angry individuals on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You've seen the like. Maybe you've experienced some of that. But sometimes we actually let people like that have access to our emotions and sadly have access to the spiritual maturity that God wants to do inside of us. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. 
And God's thinking, who cares what they say? They aren't having a conversation with the man in the bush, are they? No, you are Moses. So be here right now. The truth is, people sometimes will cause us to unplug from what God wants to do in our lives. So don't miss this, because this is what we need to hear. God says, here we are, Moses. You want to dance? Let's dance. I want to get serious right now. Take your shoes off. Here we go. Verse 2, it reads this way. And the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. And Moses asked, what, what if what do they say? And he asked a question, and God never answers that. Did you notice that? God never answers that. In fact, when you look at Jesus in the New Testament, whenever he's often asked a question, he often answers it with an answer, doesn't he? Not with an answer, he answers it with another question. Well, what do you say? Or what does the scripture say? Now, I think it's interesting here because how does God retort here with Moses in that question? What will people say? What's in your hand, Moses? Well, it's a shepherd's staff. And I want to switch gears for a second, but I want you to see where I'm going. Now, you wouldn't imagine me at six foot six that I would love musicals, but I do. It doesn't look like within my character, but I'm telling you, it's in there. There's an inner being, okay? Now, some musicals are better than others, and I've watched a lot of Disney movies, okay? I grew up in the 90s. That's just how it is. Accept that. Uh, but I love the Phantom of the Opera. I have a lot of stuff like this. But let me tell you about one musical that just doesn't make sense. It's this one right here, and you might debate me on it. This one just doesn't make sense. Anybody here get me with that? And now some of you might love the Follow the Yellow Brick Road. You might love the Wizard of Oz. That's great. But here's what I say. It makes no sense whatsoever. You can try to put reasoning in it. Yeah, you could say it's entertaining, but really it is just, I don't think you can make it work. Logically, I think it's just a stupid storyline. I think it's irrelevant. That's fine. Uh, because it all starts out with this way, right here. It first out with a lady having a bad day, okay? You ever had a bad day? You might say your day sucks, but you haven't had the house fall on you. This poor lady, she's stuck there underneath the house. And then this gal named Dorothy, she shows up, and Dorothy shows up, and then later on, the witch shows up, okay? And so we have some characters that ensue here. Now, now what I think is really interesting is now that she shows up, everything kind of changes, and now remember, we were focused on the lady who was stuck underneath the house. Everybody was focused on what? The ruby red. Okay, I'm just so you know you've seen it before. You've seen the ruby red slippers. And so the Wicked Witch shows up, and she really doesn't really have much to do with Dorothy, or does she care? What does she care about? She cares about the, not just slippers, the ruby reds. There you go. In the actual book, they're silver, okay? So that, that tells you that the story is just falling apart, okay? Here's the deal. So we see this in Sue, and she's worried about the slippers because she wants the shoes. That's what it's all about. And then this lady shows up. Her name is Dorothy, and she's the good witch. Have you ever heard of a good witch? Come on now. She is known as the good witch, okay? She shows up, she's known as the good witch, but let me tell you, this lady is a psychopath. I'm telling you, okay? <laughs> she is a psychopath, she's manipulative, she's evil, she's sick and twisted, child endangerment, all of that that happens as a result of this lady right here. 
and she transfers the ruby red slippers over to Dorothy instead of anybody else or taking on that conflict herself. And as a result of that, she escapes, and then she goes, and she meets the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, she meets the Lion, <laughs> it meets all those guys, okay? I told you it's in there deep, okay? Meets all of these characters, goes through this whole debacle, child endangerment all the way, to finally get to Oz, and people, everybody gets something except for Dorothy, and what's going on here, this whole mess, and then Glinda shows back up, shout twist as she is, Oh, Dorothy, you have the power to go home the whole time. You can just click your heels together three times and you go home. Do you see how crazy this is? I'm, I'm just telling you, the plot line is all messed up. Now, I'm telling you that a long, whole big story just to tell you this. Logically, it doesn't work. But if she, gets, she can go home, she had the power all the long. And so now we see God who shows up here with Moses. And he doesn't answer the question about Moses and the authority, what will people say? And instead, God says, what's that in your hand, Moses? Well, it's just a stepper shaft. It's a stick. Why don't you throw it on the ground? We're going to see what ensues here in this moment. When God gives this moment and Moses begins to push back, God says, hang on, what's in your hand? There is more power that ensues than what you think that you are capable of because I am with you. Uh, some people think that they find power in certain places. Like you come to church, I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you feel empowered when you come here. There are certain places where you might go to worship that will feel empowered to you. That, those are all good things. Uh, or there are some things that we think, well, I, I don't feel like I'm empowered yet, but if I get my life cleaned up first, then, then, then I will be empowered. Well, that's not how God works either. God loves you the way you are. He loves you too much to stay the way you are. You're going on a journey with him. But God will give you what you need right now. Uh, sometimes the power of God, we think, is in a particular person, that there are some people that are more spiritually enlightened, and we ought to invest in that and follow in that way. And there are good people to follow, understand. But we all can tap into the power of God. So why don't you skip down with me? In verse 3, it says this. God says, throw it down, the Lord told him. And so Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake, and Moses jumped back. Now, I find this very interesting because Moses hasn't read his whole story yet, so he's not sure what's going to happen with the staff. But what does he do? He throws it down, and it becomes a snake. Now, here's the deal to me. I don't handle snakes. Do you handle snakes? I'm just not a fan. A good snake is a dead snake. That's kind of where I'm at. And I assume when I see a snake that they're all dangerous, don't you? Maybe you're like me. And so Moses, he's been around snakes, I assume, and I think he knows the difference between a poisonous one and a non-poisonous one. He's lived in the desert, he's lived in this region all of his life, and now he sees this snake and he jumps back. I'm assuming he thinks it's a dangerous one, won't you? And he steps back. And I think God is trying to tell him something here. Because the only other time we see a snake that comes up in Scripture is all the way back in Genesis chapter when Satan invades a snake and it becomes this story. Do you remember that? God is communicating something to Moses about a spiritual battle that's going to ensue. And Moses is going to go toe to toe against the spiritual battle. And if he's not plugged into the source, he's not gonna have what he needs. Today, I believe we're in spiritual warfare in, the, in our world, 
especially here in America, because I think this is where all the culture often starts and it spreads everywhere else. But I think there's a lot of things in our world that people are calling political issues that are really demonic issues. That people are calling political issues when really they're really spiritual issues. What our world calls gender affirming is really gender mutilating. And the church is called to stand up against the things that are demonic. And so you and I need to be plugged in if we're going to go toe-to-toe with some of the things that the world is going to try to oppress upon what God says is true and what God says is right. We better be plugged in. And we'll look at the Bible and what it says, that there are spiritual issues and the church needs to stand up. And Moses is going to step into some of these spiritual issues and then watch what the Lord says and he tells him, verse 4, It says, then the Lord told him, reach out your hand and grab it by the tail. Oh, yeah, okay, all right, uh uh-huh. Anybody else with it? You next? Okay. And so Moses reaches out, grabs it, and it turns back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. How do you pick up a snake? Well, the first thing is you don't or it's dead first, one of the two. Use a shovel. That's a good way to do it. But do you pick it up by the tail? No, I think that's when you're most vulnerable. It's going to sneak around. It's going to get you. But look at the step of faith that Moses reaches into when God commands him to do this. God tells Moses that you're stepping into the spiritual warfare, and I have authority over this, and therefore you do as well. So step into this with me. So you and I don't have to be scared about the demonic. You and I don't have to be scared about the spiritual. We don't have to be scared when we're plugged in to the power source of God. Because scripture says this, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You see, we don't have to walk around apologize when we're coming from a place of victory already. We don't have to be worried. Here's what it says, verse five. Perform these signs and wonders, the Lord told him, and they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. And the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. And so Moses put his hand inside of his cloak and took it out again. And his hand was as white as snow and severely with skin disease. Early parenting, I had a moment as I had this bundle of joy named Noah. He loved to laugh. And it's amazing to me how parents enjoy the sound of their kids' laughter, but especially when they cackle. Anybody else here? It's amazing to me that some of the smartest people I know will drop 100 IQ points just to make a kid laugh, right? I mean, it's, it's shocking, but it really happens, especially when they have that all, <laughs> you know, that whole big cackle that is all of themselves. Noah had this thing because he was an energetic little fella that uh, was kind of this bouncer seat. It had a long string that attached over uh, the door jam, and, and he would just bounce in that all day long. And I mean, he was laughing it. But a typical schnauz, you got to get it going. You know, you got to have a whole bunch of motion with it. And eventually, he knocked his head to the side, and it wasn't fun anymore. The joy co- turned into just absolute sorrow. But you've seen that before. Have you had those moments with God where it seems like the joy is right there, you're happy and things are going well, and then bam, there's the door jam. You weren't expecting that. You weren't seeing that. 
We've had those moments before, and Moses is here in one of those. You think Moses was confused? He puts his hand into his cloak, and one minute his hand is good, the next minute it comes back, it's full leprosy, which is an absolute death sentence. Hey, hey man, God, I've been obeying everything that you said. I've been doing this so far, and then this is where it's got me? I got leprosy now? Is this what we do when we obey? Is this the God that you are? And Moses, at that point, could have turned around like so many others do and say, well, I'm just out, God. If this is going to lead me to where pain is, where hurt is, I'm just out. And people do that. And Moses could have done that, and that leprosy, that would have been his life sentence. That would have been it. But he experiences something that hurts. He experienced something that was confusing. He experienced something in that moment that was painful. But nevertheless, look, Moses stays, and he stays connected. And I know there's people here in this room. I know that there's people online who are watching that maybe are dealing with some hurt, that are going through some things that are painful and confusing. And it's easy in that moment to say, God, I'm I'm out. I'm just going to have to do this on my own now. Or unintentionally, we've been doing this a long time, and we say, well, I'm just on my own. And you might have questions. The good thing is, understand that there have been heroes of the faith for years who have had these same questions, and they didn't get the answers. In fact, I'm going to die with some questions, and I'm okay with that. The important thing is that we stay connected. Moses didn't connect. Even though he got the leprosy, he stayed plugged into God. And sometimes God takes us through some things that are incredibly difficult, some things that are incredibly uncomfortable, incredibly painful. And we may think, well, if this is the way it's going to be, that's it. But understand this. I think God takes us through those moments. And we don't see the incredible healing that God is going to do on the other side of this. But the process is part of that in changing our lives. Here's what it is in verse 7. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said, and Moses did. And when he took it back out again, it was healthy as it was the rest of his body. I think what God communicated here in this text to Moses, he is communicating to us as well. And Moses, you're going to go through hurt, but understand I'm a healer. You need healing. You're hurt. The good thing is you serve a God who is a healer. So if you have an addiction, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, if you have shame... If you have worries, if you have doubts, if you have fears, understand he is the great physician. He is the healer of all. And not only that, he holds the whole world in his hands. And I know it hurts, but stay plugged in and you'll experience the healing that you never could have experienced apart from him. Don't disconnect because often when we're mad and we're confused, that's what we lean to. But instead, lean into the God who's getting ready to do a healing work inside of you. And often, more than it is a physical, it's a spiritual. It's a heart thing. Now, you'd think that'd be enough for Moses, wouldn't you? But nope, here we are, verse 10. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I don't speak very well, and I get tongue-tied, and my tongue is... That's what we see there. Now, I think he's decent with words, I understand. But understand this. 
Over and over again, he comes up with some excuses here. And like Moses, sometimes I think we come up with excuses that don't make sense either. Basically, he's telling God, God, I am not the right person for you. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a cowboy. I had the hats, the spurs, the all that. That's what I wanted to be. But I found out I'm not good with horses. There's a height thing or something. I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm not good with horses. And no, how, no matter how bad I want to be a jockey, I'm not the guy people are looking for to ride the horse. I'm just, I'm not fit for that. And that's okay. But that's basically what Moses is telling God is like, listen, you've got the draft pick, but I'm telling you, I am not the player that you're looking for. And God didn't go, oh gosh, Moses, you're right. No. Here's what he says, verse 11. And the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether a person speaks or does not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. In other words, don't miss this. God is not interested so much in your ability as much as he is interested in your availability. Are you being available to God right now? Because a lot of us are just so busy. And we think, well, if I just appear busy, maybe he'll pick somebody else. I've heard it said this way. God does not call the equipped as much as he equips the called. And we have all been called into his great purpose and into his kingdom. You have been called and therefore he will equip you Finally, I think Moses realizes that God's going to have answers. <laughs> God's going to have more questions. There's no point in arguing anymore. And so finally he gets down to it. And here's what he says in verse 13. Moses pleaded again, please, Lord, Lord, please send somebody else. You know what Moses is really saying? God, I just don't want to. <laughs> I have all these reasons for you. They aren't working. So I just don't want to, which is the really reason at the beginning, wasn't it? You ever been there? You ever felt like telling God that? God, I just don't want to do it. I want to go. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to bear this. Sometimes that happens. And at that moment, Moses has zero excuses anymore. He can't fight anymore. He can't resist anymore. He has stepped into what God has called him to do. And here's what it says in verse 14. And the Lord became angry with Moses, said, all right, he said. But what about your brother Aaron? If you know, you know. What about your brother Aaron? He says, the Levite. I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you. And he is delighted to see you. I think God was already ahead of it of what Moses was about ready to do next or what he was about ready to say next. And in that moment, he says, no, no, there's no more excuses. In fact, I'm ahead of you on this. Look who's on his way. And it says this in verse 14, talk to him. I'll put words in his mouth and you will both, you both will speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. You know, one thing I realized this from this verse is Moses had this idea that he was all alone. And sometimes we get that idea in life. Miley Cyrus, the great theologian, came out with a song just this last year called Flowers. And the song lyrics go like this. I can 
buy myself flowers. I, I can write my name in the sand. Pretty narcissistic, but okay. I, I could talk to myself for hours. If you do that enough, they'll put you in a padded room, I'm told. Say things you can't understand. Well, that kind of goes along with it. I could take myself dancing, and I can hold my, hold my own hand. Any, everybody, let's do this. It's just kind of weird, isn't it? This is not as intimate as you think, me, myself, and I. And basically, the whole song and the whole idea is around this, I don't need anybody. I can live life alone. And the truth is, you can't. Moses thought he could escape everything and escape what God was wanting to do. And this idea of, like, I just do it myself. I'll be on my own. I tried doing it on my own before. The Egyptian got killed, all that. I did it my way, and guess what? It didn't work. But you need to understand this. We cannot do life on our own. Everybody needs somebody. Some people even think this. Well, I just need Jesus, and that's it. You're still wrong. Because even Jesus needs Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, he was there in the garden, and he took his disciples with him right before he was going to be the ultimate sacrifice, before he was going to be slain on a cross. And there he was. And who did he take with him? His disciples. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. Even Jesus needed. You and I need God summarizes us all up and being, bringing along Aaron with Moses and bringing on us with others. That's why we have this time. That's why we have this place. So here's the truth that I need you to know, church. Be available. You've probably given God excuses. It's time to face the fears. And we don't have to fear. Why? Because God is with us. And through that, we must stay connected. God might be asking you to do something that maybe is beyond yourself. That's true. But God gives you people like Aaron. And not only that, he's probably sending them on the way right now before that you've even accepted what God wants to do yet. So, so maybe this needs to be a moment where you take hold in doing it God's way. If you need to make a decision today, let's stand and let's sing together and don't wait any longer.